Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You ever heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. I should like to race. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit on the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! (laughs) Welcome to the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Hospital and Complete Care. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Paulette Stout in the studio today. Um, Louisa Barton is still at home and she is recovering well. So we want her to come back and we want her to be whole again. So she is watching me, I know that. (laughs) I hope I can make you proud, Louisa, we love you. Um, We're just talking today about uh, some of the news and I have on the phone Megan McGee, who we were talking about um, the new pandemic almost for horses and it's EHV1. Uh, Welcome to the show, Megan. Hi, Paulette. Thanks for having me on. Well, we were talking as I was coming over here. You said that there was um, some information out there uh, about the EHV, and I want to introduce you of what what you do and why you're so involved. Uh, Megan is a technical delegate for the USEF, and I'm going to have her explain what that means. Uh, Sure. The the technical delegate is a a job, a competition official that works at uh, mostly dressage competitions. Um, They use them sometimes also for uh, vaulting competitions um, and even in uh, cases for eventing and international competitions. But uh, we basically serve uh, as a liaison really between uh, and, and very similar to a show steward if you've been at uh, hunter jumper type of competitions or, or any kind of open uh, recognized competitions that a technical delegate serves to be able to help interpret the rules, answer questions if competitors have questions if there's a, 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 about their equipment, uh, about any of the procedures that happen. We sort of, a, the technical delegate is responsible for overseeing the all the aspects of the competition that are outside of the arena, the competition arena that that's handled by the judges. So we handle any other inquiries or if there's any, uh, try to be a problem solver uh, outside of the competition arena and to also help provide uh, interpretations for the rules if uh, com- competitors have questions or if show management and hopefully it doesn't happen too often but if there's conflicts between show management and competitors we're there to help resolve conflicts if, if at all possible so uh, it's a it's a interesting job because it's different every mm-hmm. show you go to mm-hmm and um, every set of circumstances and a lot of different things do come up, but it, uh, it's uh, usually pretty enjoyable. You get to see a lot of great horses and great yes. riders and yeah. um, be experiencing the, the backside of the horse show, which I really enjoy. Yeah, so you, 
you have a lot of um, experience and a lot of training to be able to do this, but you got to stay up to date on so many things, and you keep yourself up to date not only on rules, but everything that's going on in the horse industry and the show horse world. And so you are even um, staying up to date on, say, the, the diseases and the spread of the diseases and COVID. So we have a pandemic with people, and now we're sort of having a problem here with the spreading of the EHV1. So you're up to date on all, you're trying to stay up to date on all those things that you can um, know what you should be doing at a horse show or whatever it is that your job involves or helping the community even with, with this problem. So when we were talking, um, you were talking about a webinar that you were listening to with the EHV1, and I wanted you to be able to um, explain some of the things that you had found out about the EHV1. I am not so up to date on this because I don't have uh, Wi-Fi, so anything that I experience or get the knowledge of is either through somebody else or sometimes on the phone, which of course I'm riding and doing other things, so I'm not up to date on it. So I rely on other people such as you and, and other horsemen to sometimes inform me. Uh, can you tell me something about the webinar that you were talking about? And it was through the USCF, correct? That's right. The uh, U.S. Equestrian Federation, they just, I mean, it just signed, everybody signed off at 6, 6 p.m. here just a few minutes ago. That was the uh, latest information about the uh, current situation with EHV1. Uh, and there was a, a group of uh, uh, vets and um, epidemiologists and uh, people from the state of Florida on the on this Zoom uh, webinar to be able to answer questions and explain the current situation as far as uh, different places around the country, including Florida, where there were uh, cases reported of horses uh, positive for the EHV1 and um, also with uh, the latest practices about being able to monitor your horse's temperature, how very important it is because this is uh, a, a contagious disease that it's easily spread among horses. So it's very important that we do our very best practices in the in the stable, caring for horses, not mm -hmm. sharing equipment, no, not sharing brushes, uh, really monitoring the horses' uh, temperatures, and uh, that we, as our uh, the humans taking care of the horses, that we have to be again back to washing your hands between <laughs> touching one horse and going to the next yeah. horse. You got to wash your hands, and yeah. you got to disinfect even the disinfect even the pitchfork and the right. brushes and right. your tack and everything that there's just no buckets no sharing of equipment it's really really important to be super vigilant about that right now and and monitoring your horse's temperature so uh, i i would encourage anybody who wants to find out more that the, the webinar was it was uh, a little bit less than an hour but it was really good information and and pretty easy to understand uh so you know, from the the smartest epidemiologists and the vets they were trying to they were answering questions that people were submitting online asking about you know what they can do what they should watch for but the webinar is that uh, there's no cost there's no charge to to go on you can go online and watch it 
on the USEF website so and, you, and get the latest information uh, US, today. It's USEF.org, correct? And yes, then, that's correct. And you and you don't have to be a member to watch this. You can go on the USCF. No, there's no charge. You don't. You mm -hmm. do not have to be a member. It's open. It's free to anyone to go and look at mm -hmm. and and hear. I mean, there. Uh, it's it's a big concern and here in Florida because and in, in Ocala the the horse industry is so important to the community and there's so many activities yes. going on right now. Uh, so it's it's very important that we stay up to date and and be monitoring our horses very carefully right now right any 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 fever if you have any ill horses you need to be in touch with your veterinarian right. immediately so it's uscf.org and i on my phone i went to the four three or four lines at the top and i clicked on that and i scrolled all the way down until i saw webinars and when you click on that it'll come right up to that webinar about the EHV one and what what uh, Megan is talking about so that you can watch the whole webinar it is recorded and it's free for anybody to watch and when you when we were talking this has spread in several different areas across the country is that correct yeah they do have reported cases um, at, at not only in, in Florida, but out in California, at the New Bolton Center outside of Philadelphia. So there are multiple cases that have now been re reported, and this has all happened uh, very rapidly, like mm -hmm. within the past, um, I think, less than two weeks as right, far as right. when the first reported cases right. were announced. Um, we're down to a minute, so... Um, I really appreciate uh, being able to find this, and this is how horsemen helping horsemen, and that's, I always rely a little bit on Megan for some information, so I really appreciate you um, uh, making aware of the webinar, and so for the people that are listening, that you just go to uscf.org and go to the top on those lines, click on it, and you'll find, scroll down to you see webinars, and you'll be able to watch what Megan saw live, basically. And it is recorded and it's free and you don't have to be a member to watch it. And we'll be talking to Adam Kayot about the EHV1 here after our commercials. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Megan. And we'll be talking with you again on the Horse Talk Show. You bet, Paulette. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye.
to the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Hospital and Complete Care. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Paulette Stout in the studio today for Louisa Barton, who is recovering at home from her accident. And uh, on the phone, we have Dr. Adam Kayot. We're going to be talking about the EHV1. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, I had talked to Megan McGee just recently, and there was a webinar, I guess, done by the US um, EF, uh, the USEF.org. It's on their website. It's a webinar about the spreading and what's going on with the EHV1. And I guess this is the neurological kind. Can you explain the EHV1 and EHV4? Right. So, so, so the uh, EHV1 and 4, um, it's the herpes virus, two variants. Um, the, the number one variant can um, express itself in a, at, at, you know, as neurologic signs in the horse where they can be ataxic, falling down, um, unable to stand, recumbent, that sort of thing. Um, the the four, the other the other way that is that can be um, um, expressed is um, through through um, respiratory disease you know mm -hmm. uh, coughing mm -hmm. right. uh, fever and these horses that are neurologic they can have fever as well but mm -hmm. certainly coughing and that and that sort of you know nasal discharge those types of things right. um the the neuro variant obviously is is the one that's uh that obviously very very concerning and mm -hmm. um when you when you get that uh there's not a whole lot you can do you hope to support them and that they will recover mm -hmm. um but unfortunately some of them do not so it's uh it's a little alarming when it goes out there and right. um you know, when you have a large group of horses in a small area, it makes it makes it concerning. So, well, I guess um, supposedly, from what I heard, that because of the horses traveling from Wellington to Weck to Hits, and they're going back and forth, depending on uh, the type of uh, money given for the entries, the the winning prize money, I guess, is what they're doing for jumpers. And I'm not sure right. if it's, it's dressage, but I do know that the dressage. Um, show was canceled that's coming up as far as I know it was one that I was going to enter but I knew with this EV this this um, virus that's out there I wasn't going to be entering for a while now they did say that and correct me that you should be checking temperatures and at least 14 days is that the incubation period of it that's or? right that's that's the incubation period you know 10 to 14 days is what it is um, we're recommending that you te uh, take temperatures uh, twice a day, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and that would be correct. That would be uh, up to fourteen days. Um, is it a high so, temperature? Is it a low grade temperature? Um, any, you know, it could be mid mid grade. It can be it can be very high. It it doesn't have to be. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. not very specific as far as oh well, if it's high, it's definitely this or whatever. Um, any viral any viral uh, infection can 
can be um, can have a very high temperature, and I'm talking 104, 105, that sort of right, thing. Right. So um, they can be high. However, some of them can be 102, 103, you know, in that range as well. So, um, so how is how is this um, the herpes? How is this herpes virus contracted in the horse? It's it's contracted through um, through bodily fluid, you know, um, nasal spray uh, is the most common thing through salivary spray, um, that sort of thing. That's why um, when you're, you know, you need to be very diligent and you need to make sure that, you know, your horses don't drink out of the same buckets. They aren't, you know, nose to nose with one another and that sort of thing when when you have this sort of, or, you know, sort of quote unquote outbreak. So it could be brushes or bedding or or that's right anything yeah. and, and you you as as the owner could could carry it and act as a fomite because if you have nasal discharge in your hands and then you go and pet the horse next door or in the in, right. you know in the next barn over or you can carry it on your clothes um that's why it's you know it's really uh really important to to if you end up dealing with a horse like this to make that the last horse that you um, touch and then honestly you should almost have you know coveralls and and uh and mm-hmm. uh you should definitely have a, a wash wash basin where you can dip your shoes in and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and and stuff that you can cover up your clothes and so that you leave those coveralls there with that animal and you don't transmit or you're less likely to transmit a virus on your person to someone you know to another to another horse what what do they do um, for horses that that contract this? Is there anything in particular? Well, it's just supportive care. You know, it's anti-inflammatories, plus or minus fluids, that sort of thing. That's about the only thing you can okay. do. Um, anything that can help with the central nervous system, that sort of um, vitamin E. Uh, DMSO, anything that anything that can penetrate the central nervous system well, um, that's what they end up that's how they end up treating them and trying to be be supportive. And just like any virus, you hope that it runs its course without, you know, right. um, dire consequences. But so basically preventative preventative um, care that you don't get the virus. Now the vaccine, how is the um, protection with the vaccine? So the vaccine is very protective and it's very good. Now, vaccines, no vaccines will, will, you could say, automatically prevent any disease from happening. Okay, so right. on, on any vaccine of people or horses, whatever, you can still contract the virus that you've been vaccinated against. But hopefully you have those antibodies so that, that when you do contract that, um, the, the symptoms and, and what you experience are, are less severe. So um, vaccines very effective, very effective. And, um, you know, obviously we recommend that uh, every six months, actually. So this one would be every six months. The A- yep. E, so it would come in a combination, correct? It would be like EHV1 and EHV4. Yeah, that's your rhino. So, you know, so it commonly called, you know, it comes, it comes uh, most commonly given as your flu rhino vaccine. So mm-hmm. rhinopneumonitis, that's what, that's what EHV1 and 4 is. That's your, that's your rhino vaccine. And that's what most people are, most people are, are common, commonly, you know, heard it called. Now, I know we 
you've had sleeping yeah. sickness, so would you vaccinate for the sleeping sickness and for the rhino every six months? Is that, would you, would you recommend oh, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. so sleeping sickness is Eastern encephalitis. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that definitely. So uh, we recommend that you vaccinate um, for those, those encephalitides, so mm -hmm. Eastern, Western, tetanus, West Nile, every six months down here. Right. In this in right. this climate. Because of the mosquitoes um, and, and the bugs. Because the mosquitoes never really go away. It doesn't right. get cold enough, right. you know, to kill them. So So is there a is there a perfect time of year to vaccinate for that? What would your recommendation be? Um it it doesn't. There is no there's no perfect time of year down here. I just say every six months. So whenever you start, you know, whenever that baby's born four to five months old that's your initial vaccine then you follow that up with um with a, a booster a month later and then it goes from there every six months i see well i appreciate this information we've got the one minute so um i'm hoping that people ha will listen to this because this is could be a pandemic here in the horse industry. So, well, if you, if you remember back in 2008, there was quite a quite a severe outbreak at, at the Hits Horse Show, and um, you know, it it uh, we lost several horses over that deal, and hopefully that oh, doesn't wow. happen here um, yeah. now. I mean, uh, it's so, fine at this point, but so you know. less traveling, staying at home, and try to get this thing under control. <laughs> That sounds familiar, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, well, thank sounds you so familiar. much. We really appreciate your information, yeah. and, right, and we'll be talking again. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll be back with some pre-recorded segments with Jake Beerbaum, Catherine York, and Dennis Thompson. This was pre-recorded at the equine uh, market that they had the equine expo. So um, we'll be Enjoy. listening to them. Enjoy. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the host talk show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple, to be the leader in quality and value. Richard owner of Larson Farms is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. This show is brought to you in part by Horse Boxes USA, the newest and most advanced way to safely transport your horses in style. Horse Boxes USA comes standard with a backup camera, horse cabin camera, and dual fans. Visit them at JJ Tack Shop on Highway 40 in Ocala or online at horseboxesusa.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Box Show. Welcome back. 
back to the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Hospital and Complete Care. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Paulette Stout in the studio for Louisa Barton, and we have some special pre-recorded um, interviews. Hi, this is Katie Jo Zydema, and I'm here with Dennis Thompson. Dennis uh, has Gypsy Vanners, and he has an amazing story for us today. Uh, I think that you brought them to America. Tell us all about that. I did. Uh, my late wife and I did. And uh, for, starting in November 24, 1996, the first two Gypsy Vanner horses stepped hooves on American soil. So uh, actually, they came into Newburgh, New York. But then we, over the next uh, two years, we imported 14 mares and two out of three of the best stallions we ever found. Let me interrupt you. Uh, what is a Gypsy Vanner? A Gypsy Vanner was an unknown breed until my late wife and I were doing research on Shire horses, the largest horse in the world in northern Wales, and we were coming uh, back to London, and and she noticed a little black and white horse, and she she asked me if I saw the horse, and of course I didn't, and I, I said, do you want me to go back? And she said no, and then changed her mind, and we went back, and the horse came running as hard as he could to say hello to us, and we both fell in love with him. We, th we assumed he was a crossbred horse, and, and uh, but at the time we had 700 animals. We had giraffe, camels, zebras, giant tortoises. Here or yeah, there? Yeah, here in Ocala, yeah. We lived where Pat Pirelli lives. Okay, yeah, okay. that is. Yeah, so, uh, and I set distribution in the animal products industry all over the world and designed products for animals. And uh, so we were very animal-centric. And we were doing research on shars in northern Wales. And, and so anyway, we see this horse, and, and uh, we decide we want to buy it. It's unique looking. Uh, anybody with 700 animals can be a little impulsive. <laughs> yeah. So we drove up to the driveway where the horse was and introduced ourselves to the farmer that was keeping it. And he, he explained it was not his horse. He was only keeping it for a few days, and it belonged to a traveler. Uh, I didn't ask him what a traveler was. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, he said, and he has a band of mares that looks just like him that he keeps hidden. I said, they can't look just like this horse. And the farmer said, I assure you they do. And, and, of course, my late wife and I looked at each other. We have extensive knowledge on animals. And I don't know any breed that looks like that. And you don't have a lot of something that looks the same unless somebody intends that to happen. And why does he hide them? So we asked if we could meet this man. And the farmer got in touch with him. The gentleman came over and we spoke for a few minutes. And he, What country is this in? It's England. England. Yeah, yeah. He invited us to his caravan, took a few steps towards his vehicle, looked back and said, don't worry, it's respectable. I wasn't sure what he made of that, you know, uh, I mean, what he meant by that. So we got in our car and laughed about it and said, some things are worth dying for. You know, we'll follow this guy. <laughs> Good story. So, so we followed him to a gypsy camp uh -huh. that we would later find out is called a caravan site. And we would find out in 1968, there was an act called the Caravan Act by the British government. And it was an effort to settle these unique nomadic people. And, and they did, gypsies. yeah, they did what we did with the American Indian. They created reservations and... And there's a hundred of them throughout Great Britain. They're called caravan sites in England. They're called halt sites in Ireland. So you can halt at one and halt at the next one. Just don't halt in between. Anyway, the general public doesn't go on those, uh, and the police don't even go on those unless they're in pursuit. And we don't know that, so we so we can like a reservation. we can go anywhere. It's exactly like a reservation, but smaller. Anyway, we spent that day with gypsies, and and through that gypsy's invitation, uh, he invited us to a horse fair where we'd see hundreds of horses, you know, what he called colored horses. 
And uh, so Which all look like what we know is nah, not now. Eighty percent, eighty percent don't. Eighty percent are not a breed; they're a type, and they're raised as a commodity-based animal for the restaurant business. So they're they're not uh, a breed at all. They're amongst the total population of horses raised by gypsies are horses that were born from a vision to look a specific way, inspired by two stallions soon after World War II, Sonny Mays and the co-horse. Anyway, we became the first Americans to ever attend the oldest gypsy horse fair in the world, over 330 years old. 10,000 gypsies gather on a hill called Fair Hill to reacquaint with family and friends and trade in horses. And we were there for 10 days. And Which, by the way, are the original horse traders, I think. Oh, no question. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, they're good. But uh, anyway, I, we introduced ourselves to everyone who bought or sold a quality-looking horse. And then uh, documented contact information, which would be cell phones, and thereafter spent the next four years uh, tracing the original horse's genetic history through three countries. We found his mother and father in Wales and his grandparents in Ireland, all raised by gypsies, focused on producing a horse to look like him, born from a vision that no one knew outside the world of gypsies. We stood overlooking the Irish Sea with the original horse's DNA-verified father. What a story. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. And uh, the gypsy that raised him, and he pointed to a clearing under a tree and said he was born right over there. He said, I'll never forget the day he was born. I held him in my arms, and I knew he was special. He said he's the best colt I ever raised. And he took us in his caravan that day, and he gave us a book on Appleby Horse Fair and opened it up to a page that showed a couple of his sons ponying three yearling colts through what's called the River Eden in Appleby England. The lead colt was the original horse that we saw. As a yearling, he was the pr- highest-priced colt in all of Great Britain. The original gypsy we met. And paid, a gypsy owned him and raised him. Yeah, yeah. He paid 12,500 pounds for him as a yearling. How much is that U.S.? Do you have any uh, idea? Tw- tw- 12,500 12, U.S. dollars. It was 7,000 British pounds. Right. So 1.70 exchange rate. So anyway, we uh, identified the inspiration that made the breed. We identified most all the great stallions and mares that came over the next 60 years. We assisted in naming their breed Gypsy Vanner Horse. We established the world's first registry. Did you do all this there or here? No, here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, imported the first 16 to North America. Did you import that horse that you fell in love with? Yep. He remained one of the top three stallions we ever found. Uh, Give me a year. Like, how long ago was this? 1990. 96, uh, 97 is when he got to America. Easter Sunday, 1997 is when he he got here. Yeah. His name was the log when we met him because he looked like a log. And uh, when the gypsy, I sent, that's a long story. We give tours four days a week on our farm. And uh, I'll walk you through, you know, this whole story. It's quite fascinating. But uh, we named the horse Kushtibak. which is a name that means good luck in the language of gypsies. And uh, there's a story behind that that's pretty fascinating. But anyway, he, uh, to this day, 25 years later, I'm still shocked that... Uh, well, they've really taken off, especially for a new breed. They're everywhere now. Oh, yeah. And they're beautiful, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what you have to be careful of, this is the world's first Internet breed to be established in the age of the internet. So you can go home tonight and make up a new name or make up your own story and all this type of thing. And and, and uh, the general public has to navigate all that, which, which you normally wouldn't do. You'd learn something about a breed and that's all you learn, you know I mean? And so you'll get online and you'll see multiple names and, and a lot of confusing stuff. Uh, so 
well, frankly, I, I help people through that, you know, four days a week. If you come to this tour and, and uh, you, you can easily wrap your head around what the breed is and what it isn't. You know, it has a very specific look. The intent was to make a small shire with more hair on its legs, more color, and a sweeter head. Although it's not a color breed, it's a body type. So they can come in black and bay and gray. You know, they can come in solid colors. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but they want a average sized horse with a draft horse body, but with more hair on its legs. When you say average sized horse, 15 2? Actually, today, 100% of the horses that came to America were between 14 and 15 hands, with 14 2 being perfection in, in 1995. That was way high. Gypsies have been breeding them down for 25 years, and Americans have been breeding them up for 25 years. Makes so, sense. so there's a mini, a classic, and a grand banner. Uh, so they come in three sizes. Uh, Evolution. Yeah. Well, that's actually how uh, poodles and schnauzers developed from the middle up and down. So it's not, you know, it's happened before with breeds, but it, it well, you, you. Uh, quench everyone's thirst for whatever you know if they want something small they want something big or in the middle so uh yeah it's good it's a good thing yeah and so you and your late wife um kind of did all that and watched the evolution of it uh i lost my wife uh uh july 3rd 2002 i found her passed away in the barn uh, she was full watching the first Gypsy Vanderhorst in America and fell to her death. Uh, couldn't open the door to my apartment. She was on the other side. So it's got a, it's got a dark chapter. Uh, Disney was on their way to uh, do a pre-lease and a pre-purchase exam on a couple of horses. So uh, it's a pretty fascinating story. You know the whole thing. Everybody... And it's even closer to your heart. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, when something like that happens to you, you have to decide whether you want to stop or go on. And we we had an extraordinary relationship. I, I was raising four little girls alone in South Texas, uh, 11 to 16 years old. I raised them alone for seven years. And one of my daughters was 19, and she worked at a pet products distributor in San Antonio. And she, she called me one day, and she said, Dad, we just hired this new woman. She's beautiful. She has 40 parrots and a poor. She's <laughs> what you needed was more animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I gotta stop you yeah, right here. Yeah, we gotta yeah. go to commercial. I'll yeah, be yeah. right back. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to FeedDAC.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. At All In Removal, we offer the best service and highest quality products. Whether you need fine shavings, large flake, a custom blend, or even bag shavings, we have the bedding and removal services you need. We use only reliable late model trucks, and our team of drivers are courteous, respectful, and hardworking. We train our staff to the high standards we are famous for, and our customer service team prides themselves on being experts on our products and an advocate for our customers, helping them to maximize the value they receive. If quality and service matter, give us a try today. Are you ready to get loco? At Loco Graphics, every dollar matters to provide your ideas brought to life. Loco Graphics strives to get your message across and impact your customers, offering logo design, vehicle wraps, business cards, banners and more. 
Make your business shine and showcase who you are with nothing but the highest quality materials. The difference is in the details. Impact your potential customers with Loco Graphics. Like them on Facebook now and find them on the web at locographics.com. Inspired by a catastrophic driving accident, Dan Taylor created and patented the EquiSafe Safety Rain and Driving Collection. So don't get caught in the rain. Get EquiSafe Rains with a safety breakaway for driving, jumping, pony riding and more. Find them on the web at equisafe.com and like and follow on social media. Don't ever stand in lines with EquiSafe. Hello, we're back, and I'm here with Dennis, and we're talking about Gypsy Vanners. Um, okay, so next question. Yeah. What about competition? I see that there's a lot of them that are being shown now, and we're talking about the evolution of a Gypsy Vanner. Right, right. And so, um, what what do we do with them now? Okay, so when they came to America, I. Uh, frankly, didn't care what they did. I mean, I, I wanted them to be whatever they were, and which is a small draft horse, and I knew they were super sweet. I call them golden retrievers with hooves, but they, I, I knew they'd be a great uh, companion horse and everything, but I never anticipated they'd be great at multiple things, and they are. They're really uh, amazing. Uh, Pre-St. George and Dressage, number one tandem driving team in North America. Um, Oh, just any kind of discipline, whether it be they're, because they're willing, they're smart, and they retain their training really well. So, yeah, they're, and they're pretty. And they're pretty. Yeah, see, that's a bonus. Yeah, I show horses for a living. I mean, I do okay. quarter horses, but still, part of showing horses is how they look. Oh, sure, sure. And there's no doubt that in an event that has multiple breeds, oh, that's impressive. Stand out. Oh, yeah. It's a, I'm, you know, I'm prejudiced, but uh, certainly one of the world's most beautiful horses. There's no question about it. Yeah. Oh, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you most proud of? Oh, I don't know. Uh, we're turning our farm into a permanent education and cultural center, so that so that the promotion of the Gypsy Vanner horse. Let me stop you there. Yeah. Where is your farm? It's here in Ocala. Uh, just go to gypsygold.com and and. Uh, you can read all about it, and or, or even on Facebook. We have uh, 90,000 followers on Facebook, and if you're not one, just go to Gypsy Gold Horse Farm and hit like, and, and you'll get uh, posts every day. And, yeah. and So do you still have studs and mares, and you breed them? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many? Uh, Putting you on the spot. Yeah, we've got about, I think, maybe five, maybe five studs and... Probably 20, 25 mares, something like that. I think we have 30, 35 horses on the farm. We we produce embryos. We produce um, babies, gypsy manor horse babies uh, carried by their, their mothers. And, and so it's a yeah, it's still a serious breeding operation. But when the economy hit, well, we were producing 50 babies a year in 2006 and 7. And then, sure, and then 2008, yeah, and, and 2008 came. I was feeding 150 horses, and I had eight full-time employees. So uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, I, I was going down quick. So we turned to tourism, and and so we've become the number one thing to do for TripAdvisor in Ocala. So tell me about that. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, four days a week right now: Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Ten. Your farm. My farm. Just put in Gypsy Gold Horse Farm in GPS, and it'll bring it right to me. Not the address, but you can go to GypsyGold.com uh, and hit book a tour, and you know read all about it and make a make a reservation. But um, 
Oh, geez, Miranda Lambert's uh, record label is Vanna Records, and uh, no, what else? Uh, no, wait a minute. Let's go back to TripAdvisor because you yeah. said you were you were right at. Where do we stand well, in the state of Florida? Well, we're number one in in Ocala for things to do. We're number three of visitor favorites in Central Florida, with Harry Potter being number one. And we're in the top 10% of activities for TripAdvisor in the world. So, pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Pretty good. Your late wife would be super proud. What it, what it is, it's not, that's not based on the volume of people that come see. It's based on how they appreciate it. So, we're 97%, well, 93% five-star and 4% four-star. So, 97% uh, very high reviews. So, people like it. What yeah. do they do when they go there? Besides, look at your beautiful horses. They listen to me. For, uh, for yeah 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 big deal they listen to me for 45 minutes to an hour uh -huh. and then we walk around the farm and 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 they learn about uh, our dreams for the future of the farm which are pretty amazing really which I'd love to hear a little bit about oh boy well we're we're we'll have all kinds of things that I'll help you understand one of the world's most colorful least understood societies and and we'll do a lot of it'll it'll be an oasis of good when you say that you mean gypsies yeah okay yeah yeah we have a lot of gypsies that that come visit us and and uh i hope one day that there's so many that you'll be able to f meet some of these people and and they're just people you know they're not um they've been treated with prejudice for a thousand years and my late wife and i knew on the plane ride home from meeting the original horse that uh there was an extra responsibility if we walked forward into this culture that didn't invite us, that we did not want to diminish um, their horses or them in any way. You know, we didn't want to contribute to the prejudice that they feel. So, you know, we wrote a mission to bring honor, recognition, and a better understanding to one of the world's most colorful, least understood societies and the horses they so dearly love by respecting the spoken words of gypsies who have dedicated lifetimes in the pursuit of a dream to create the perfect horse to pull their caravan, to remain quality-based, culturally sensitive, and socially responsible. With one of the most beautiful horses in the world. Yep. Yep. And, okay, so if you have that beauty, you have that magic, if you can keep the magic, you can use it for the good of something. See, know. and in my mind, I'm from America and I love horses. Yeah, and when yeah. I think of the gypsy people, I always think of beautiful, colorful, yeah. eccentric people. And so the horse to me matches that no, so it, well. It does, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. One of the most colorful, maybe one of the most colorful, least understood horses on earth sure. is the gypsy vanner. And, matter of fact, the they're not gypsy horses, they're vanner horses. So if you think of American quarter horse, uh, Americans are people, quarters are visions, horses are species. Same is true with gypsy vanner horse. The word vanner in the English Chambers Dictionary means a horse suitable to pull a caravan. The word vanna in the Romany glossary means a caravan horse. So it's a gypsy's caravan horse. So the vision was to create an art form to pull the art form. Was this your name that you created? Yeah, my late wife and I. Uh, offered gypsies a choice between Romany horse and Gypsy Vanner horse, and 100% chose Gypsy Vanner horse. So uh, she saw that in a book. It was actually it's a word from uh, the English dictionary, and a, an English author was using it to s describe a picture. He said the traditional Gypsy Vanner. I'd never seen anything like that. And she sat me on the couch and said, 
Gypsy Vannerhorst. And I said, neat name, and then woke up every night for two years. Was I bringing honor, recognition, and better understanding of these people if I used a word in their name that's a, a cultural slur? You gyp me, gypsy. Full circle. Yeah. I feel naive. Yeah. Well, it, you know. So, you know, you go through life and you hear these things and you don't know where they come from or where they, you know, sure, I mean, yeah, I, why, would, why would you, you know? Why would you think about that? Right now, yeah, yeah, right. But uh, there's a real opportunity. I, Gypsy Rose Lee's grandson has been a friend of mine for 25 years. And, uh, you know, I, I've maintained relationships with the same gypsies for 25 years. And they're just nice people. And uh, there's no reason to treat them with... Uh, suspicion or prejudice or anything like that. It's a, with any culture, you've got good ones and bad ones. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, that, yeah. If that's that's any that, that's any right, people. Right, 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 right. It doesn't matter. So uh, we'll do all kinds of fascinating things. Uh, you don't have time to l- learn about them now, but we'll have. We're going to try to evolve keepsake photos for children in a very unique way we'll have a trail on our farm called a viking trail and when you walk a viking trail you must leave one prejudice behind and take at least one new idea with you we'll have a sanctuary for parrots called 40 parrots in a porsche we'll have a think tank how old do parrots live it's really long isn't it 75 plus so when you adopt a parrot you're basically it's gonna like many of them outlive their owners this is a cage it's a million dollar cage and I'm going to try to get Porsche to pay for it. It's beautiful. It's a replica of a cage that exists in a, at a palace next to the oldest zoo in the world in Vienna, Austria. Gorgeous cage. And uh, so we're going to see if we can, you know, reconstruct that here on the farm. And then there'll be a home, an ultimate home for 40 parrots. And uh, we'll have a think tank to cure domestic and wild animal problems. We'll have a resource center for children that love animals. And uh, just all kinds of neat stuff. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah. And you're right here in Ocala. Yeah. You're a gem. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah. Well, it was so nice to meet you. Yeah, Katie Joe, I feel yeah. like it's an honor. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much. All what right. a great conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys very much. This is Mr. Dennis. They have a great place to visit with Gypsy Vanners here in Ocala. This show was brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. Nirvana, Ocala's premier medical spa, is leading the way in great skin with all the newest in treatment options, offering prejuvenation for younger clients and rejuvenation for all ages. Nirvana knows you want to look your very best, but we've all seen people with the telltale signs of too much work. We want you to look like you, just better, brighter and younger, with all the newest and best in technology and all in the most beautiful surroundings. Like Nirvana Medical Spa on Facebook and find them on the web at nirvanamedicalspa.com. Become a better, brighter and younger you. The Equine Performance Center Opala with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. 
This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and service hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. This is Katie Joe Zydema, and I'm here with Jake Bierenbaum. He is from Citra, Florida, um, and you have, wait a minute, you're from Michigan originally? Michigan originally. Me and Jake are fellow Michiganites. Um, actually close, too. You said you're right outside of Lansing? Yep. My dad's a professor at Michigan State, so we grew up right there near the college. So he's smart and a cowboy. You know it. Sorry, ladies, he's taken. Yes, my wife Stephanie is here watching, and my son Johnny's <laughs> going to be four tomorrow. Oh, wow, and a proven sire. Look at that. Anyway, back to this and you. So now you live here in Florida, yes. uh, in Citra, just outside of Ocala. Yep. And you started in 2004, you said? Yeah, so I started learning to ride in 2004. I was in my early 20s, and um, I became aware of Pirelli and their home base. Uh, one of them is here in Ocala, and so after finishing a two-year horse management program at Michigan State, uh, I came down here to intern and got a full-time job working for Pirelli. Did that for a few years, became a full-time student to study to be an instructor. And student with Pat. Student with Pat, so I rode with him every day, all day. If he was saddling it, uh, if he was riding it, I had saddled it and probably warmed it up and cooled it down for him. Right. Uh, if it was wrong on the ranch or within a five-mile radius, it was my fault. Of course, that's how it goes. And uh, I learned a lot from that experience. And, uh, and that's what brought you to Florida, was Pat? Yes, that's what brought me to Florida. Fell in love with the Ocala area. It's beautiful here. It's the horse capital. The weather is warm. I'm from Michigan. I hate snow. And since 2011, I've been traveling the country, teaching clinics and training horses. Same about snow and being from Michigan. Tell us about your horse here. So this is Spike. He's going to be four this year in May and I've had him for the last year and he's been uh, in training and we've traveled the country together. He's been learning to do cows. I was going to say when you say in training what's his forte? So We've been focusing on putting a foundation on this horse, so being able to do a lot of groundwork, being able to do riding, and then um, specializing for me, cowboy, we like cows, learning to do some ranch work, so he's an all-around kind of handy horse. Uh, he's even ponied some naughty horses for me, helped me teach some clinics, sure. and he's a part of our pair baby program where I've been picking the lines, and... Um, we raise them up and then I put a good foundation on them and they have over a year of training with me and then they can go out in the world and really take care of somebody. Okay, so answer me this as a horse trainer. Um, I get horses broke and then um, their owners want to learn how to ride them too. So do you do that as well? Yes, uh, it's a big part and it's the balance. See, there's horse training or development and then there's human training and development. And you can have a real trained horse and not know anything and make it look really bad. It'll come on broke real fast. Real fast. And so one of the hard parts of my job is how well do you need to train them so that they don't revert very quickly and then taking the time to not not only train the horse but train the human to understand how to get along with that horse create that relationship so that they can take over where you're at and it's not just trained to you it's that horse can operate Good he's got an itch <laughs> that they can operate for other people as well so this horse just spent the last uh, four days uh, 
Thursday through Sunday at a clinic that I was teaching with my buddy Ryan Rose, who's from Wisconsin, and we just taught a big clinic. And one of the riders rode this horse, and she had sat on him one time, and she was doing lead changes, working the flag, camera all over the place, and I had a great time with him. And I was like, you did that? I didn't, I didn't say you could do that. Nice work. Good job. Yeah, good job. Right. right? And so it just proved the training of the horse and it proved the training of the human. So sure. it, it really is a cool thing when you see that come together. And also as a horse trainer, you part of horse training is having the gift of, of being able to teach. And so you're blessed with that, it sounds like. I can uh, run my mouth pretty well. And it, it really <laughs> is a big part of if you're really going to be a good instructor you have to learn to explain what you're doing in lots of different ways there's a lot of great trainers out there doesn't mean they're great instructors they know how to do it but they can't explain it and that's okay we all have our place I just have been fortunate enough to be around a lot of good instructors that have helped give me a lot of different words to explain things and it's the way my brain naturally works to find that my dad's a professor my mom taught nursing my so sense. it I come from a line of teachers, teachers. and educators, and so... And then you're with Pat, who's obviously a world-famous clinician. Exactly, and he really helped give me that foundation to go out. You know, I use the phrase, he's the father of my horsemanship. Um, I just got to the point where I don't live my, with my daddy anymore. I just got my own place and moved sure. out into the world. And so um, that's now what we've been able to bring to the to the masses. So now your wife and you operate uh, Pear Tree Ranch in Citra. Yep. And you keep how many horses in training? So anywhere between five to seven outside horses for the month, and then I also have my young horses that we're training um, that we try to keep going. And you do clinics, so do you have employees too? It's mostly my wife and I, and then we have a lot of volunteers that come in and help out, and or when we're on the road, we have uh, our kind of tight-knit group that comes in and keeps horses fed and cared for. So when I'm not home uh, for our clinic season, training horses are out of the barn. It's just our personal horses, and then we have people that are there to watch over things for us. Makes sense. Okay, so what's your plan going forward this year? What do you got on your, uh, on your list of things to do? So this time of year we're home and we're usually home through April and then we start getting into clinic season. So I'm on the road May and June. We travel up north. Where will you go? So we're going to be starting in Illinois, then we're in Michigan, and I fly out west and do um, some horsemanship and cows in California. Then we come back and we're doing some young horse stuff in Wisconsin, and then we travel to Virginia to go back to Wisconsin. You sound like me. And so we're all over the map, and then we're home for usually July, beginning of August, and then end of August we kind of go in reverse. So I'll head back to Virginia, do a few weeks there, then we head back into the Midwest. We have uh, cows in Wisconsin, horsemanship in Illinois, and then we start getting home when it starts getting cold up there. Has the COVID thing affected you at all? You know, we didn't have... I see in the up north states where it's like Michigan. Right. We didn't really see any effect. We were lucky that by the time it hit clinic season, people were kind of ready to get out and start doing some stuff. And so we still had a very successful clinic season and lessons. And the fact that we were in the barn with horse people, I don't know about you, but horse people, whether you want to admit it or not, eat a lot of horse poop every day. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Right? Therefore, yeah. your immune system is rocking and rolling. And so we've been very lucky with that. I really didn't see anything until 
just this year in January, we had like six different people that just because of travel restrictions, different things, decided to not bring horses in training uh, down from up north. And that that's really the only thing that we've had. We've been very fortunate to not be hit with all of this. And because we do so much also at home in uh, our, our own environment, we, we really have been blessed to not have. Plus, we live in Florida. God bless the FLA. That's right. And Governor DeSantis, thank so, you very much. We've been well cared for. We've had a lot of flexibility in things. And so when people come out, if you want a mask, wear a mask. If you need sure. space, stand back. Yeah, totally uh, cool. If you want a hug, get over here. And uh, it's it's pretty well normal everyday life for us to the best that we can. Yeah, that's how we've been too. You just gotta pick and choose where you go and just- Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Should be the same as normal everyday life before COVID that we are taking care of our bodies. How can we not get sick and just be healthy instead of worrying about ah, ah, stay away. How can you take care of yourself, right. be healthy? And we've been very fortunate with that, so. For sure. Now, what about your family? Uh, does your wife ride? My wife does ride. Uh, that's how she found me. She came uh, with her horse that wasn't... Uh, oh, she was a clinic crusher. She was a clinic crusher. She wouldn't leave me alone when she came and wanted more and more lessons. And uh, I figured I might as well just keep her around. Uh, and so we've been working together for... Uh, let's see, we started dating in 2013. And we got married in 2015. My son was born in 2017. And he rides? And he rides. He's taken over one of my really good saddle horses. And so my good gray horse, he rides and he likes to ride with daddy. And we cruise around the farm. He likes to get the cows and we have a grand old time. Nice to work on the next generation. It's a special thing. I love helping kids. I love seeing the light in people's eyes go off when they learn something. They go, I got right. it. Especially when it's your own. And having it be my own just makes it that yeah, much Yeah, my boy was reserved this year um, at the Youth World AQHA. It's the coolest thing ever. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And again, cool. being in the horse capital and having the next generation coming up and being here, it's really a cool thing to see it grow and go. So Absolutely. We're blessed to be here. All right, Jake. Well, that's my time, or our time, I should say. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll, I'm sure I'll see you again. I'll be here. Okay. World-class equine rehab promoting faster recovery is available at the Equine Performance Center Ocala. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy and underwater treadmill, a saltwater spa, an aquapacer, magna wave, a vibration plate, swimming pool, massage, and laser therapies. With post-surgical care, memberships, packages, and BOGOs, EPC delivers a rejuvenated horse through proven and innovative rehab. Like Equine Performance Center now on Facebook and find them on the web at epcrehab.com. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala. Experience the difference in buying. Palm makes it simple with no pressure, the best sales staff, and lots of inventory. Experience the difference at Palm Chevy in Ocala or online at palmchevrolet.com. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors on West Highway 40. Stock up for summer and fly season now with fly masks, fly control, and spray, vaccines, and all you need for a Florida summer. Tons of farrier supplies, healthcare, and stable supplies at TT Distributors. Like them on Facebook or online at ttdistributors.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. 
this is Layla with the Horse Talk Show, and I'm going to talk to Catherine Kate. York from Catherine. Elysium Fields Farm, and we're going to ask her some questions today about this guy. So tell us about your horse, what his name is, a little history. Well, um, we're registered in England with the Dales Pony Society, so although we're called Elysium Fields Farm, we have a prefix in England called Florida Dales, all one word, and this is Florida Dales Sydney. He was born in May of 19, or I'm sorry, of 20, of 2018, and uh, he is, this is his first time out, so, and he's a baby, he's not quite two, so he'll be two in May. And we have five Dales ponies currently at the farm. Two babies due, one any day, and uh, the other due in April. So we're excited to breed this critically endangered breed. They're, um, they originate from the Pennine Mountains in the UK. And uh, they are critically endangered because they're a very robust pony that can pull a lot of weight and so they were used in the first and second world wars for artillery pulling ponies and uh, because of that a lot of them weren't returned or died um, and and then when they came back after the second world war there was industrialization so they weren't used as much for pulling and plows um, but because of their size, they were easy to transport, and they could also pull a lot of weight. So how, how big does one get? How many hands? Well, the breed standard is between 13.2 and 14.2 is the ideal. Um, and we do have a, a stallion that we just got licensed. He was born and bred in the U.S., and he is the only... A uh, blue roan, born and bred oh, in the U.S., wow. and he's he's gorgeous color. I I love him, and he's put together nice too. So, um, and the the mare that we we got our first mare, Sauermeyer Carol, and she was a gray, which was a rare color. Oh, really? The majority of them come in black, and then there's bay, gray. Uh, Blue Roan and Bay Roan, and the Roans, of course, are are the least common. Wow! Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's beautiful. Thanks, and he will gray like his mama. Oh, okay. So, so he, he's, he's a Bay to gray. gray. Oh. Mm -hmm. He will gray. So our stallion um, Maverick, he is the Blue Roan, and he's going to be standing at stud coming up in 2000 or uh, 2021 and 22. And then, um, and how old is he? He is three, just three. Oh, He's wow. just licensed, yep, as a stallion from the UK. Hi, guy. And so we have, um, we have Carol having a baby <laughs> in the next week or two. <laughs> They're very friendly. <laughs> they love people. I think he's not quite sure what to make of all this. So, but he loaded nice, which was great. <laughs> And you said this was his first time out, right? First time out. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was very happy to see me, I think, once I got here. <laughs> um, 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say the reason that we picked this breed is um, I used to have a warm blood and a quarter horse, and I really, I really felt passionate about the critically endangered breeds, and I didn't really know what a Dale's Pony was in the beginning, and then I did some research, talked to breeders, and it happened to be fortuitous that um, there was a breeder that came from England in uh, Micanopy. Really? And she had some ponies. They were moving back to England and she came and vetted my farm <laughs> to make sure I was, I was uh, a good enough place for her babies. And uh, so I bought Carol and she was pregnant. So That and was your first? That was my first. And then she's had, um, this year she'll have her third full. So the blue roan was her baby. Um, Sydney is her baby. And then she's due with um, another foal coming up in the next week. So, and then we loved them so much, we imported two from England. From England, Yep, and they came over, they were um, pulled off of a field, pretty much feral, not touched too much. And, our friends Anna Jackson uh, put them all under saddle, and then we flew them over here from England two years ago in February. Wow. And the one was pregnant. She had a beautiful uh, little filly that's in Micanopy, a family bought And um, oh, so and you do some sales as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. I mean, the purpose is with cl- critically endangered. You want to bring awareness of the breed there's less than 300 i believe breeding mares so in the united states in the world oh in the world yeah there's 250 ponies in the u.s and 2500 or less in the world and then um less than 300 breeding mares i believe is the definition of critically endangered actively breeding mares so um, we just, there is a lot more awareness thanks to all of you guys and Louisa, she's been instrumental in helping us as, as a Brit herself. And uh, a lot of people are getting to know and recognize them now, which is really great. <laughs> that could be her new t- talk show uh, sound, right? <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> so what, uh, do they perform a sport or do they have a use? Okay, so they're, they're really great pulling ponies as well. And in England, they're used for pulling logs. Uh, they do a lot of farm work and they can carry large amounts. So in the old days, they used to be uh, ore mining ponies that would and so they're very balanced and they've been bred to have really good hawk action in the front so they're very balanced and um, they're just here and and there they're known as the great all-rounders so they can pretty much do anything they can jump they can uh, you know, ride and dressage we have one that does dressage we do obstacles we've tried some archery there's one uh that a friend of mine has that she she does archery with with them 
And uh, so there's a lot of different disciplines uh, that they can do. We just did a hunter pace at Misty Morning Hounds wow. last Sunday, and, and uh, we enjoy a variety of sports with them. They're really versatile, which is nice. Yeah, and they're, they're calm. Yeah, they're okay, good, yeah, great all-rounders. Ask about their disposition and temperament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're really people-oriented ponies, and um, I will say, due to some of the health issues that I've had, I really struggled with my warm blood, and it just wasn't fun to ride anymore. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just gonna give up riding altogether. And then I found this breed. And they kind of saved my life a little bit because I, I have very little fear or no fear riding them because they're so reliable. And I think like any horse, they have a mind of their own. They're a big animal. But I think they're much more docile than the average breed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else you want to add about your... Um your facility or we're located in Dunellen, Florida and um, we are really it's a smaller 10 acre farm and we breed and have all the babies there in in on the farm so we're really excited to share what the new youngsters this year will bring and if someone wants to contact you, are you? Do you have a website? We or? do. It's in the process of getting put together. But you could um, you can email us at elishamfieldsfarm at gmail .com. and Elishum Fields is spelled E L Y S I U M Fields Farm at gmail .com. All right. Well, Thank I think you. that's it for now. Thank you. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time. Thank and, you. And uh, learning more about the Dales Pony. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you, Megan McGee, our technical delegate from the USCF, and Dr. Adam Kayot from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care for being on our show. And as Louisa says, whether you're in Ocala, Marion County, the horse capital of the world, or not. Happy horsing around. Until next time.